time to you, Lord. We pray that you might meet us here. God, we ask that you would grant unto us eyes to see, ears to hear, Lord. Be glorified in this place. We want to honor you, Lord. So, God, we ask that your spirit would lead us as we open your word, as we direct our eyes toward you, Lord. I ask that you would show us yourself tonight. Show us that what you have for us tonight, God, and be glorified therein. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you guys have your Bibles, open up to Jeremiah 23, and we'll continue our, our journey through the book of Jeremiah. You may remember that we're in a, in a series of threes. We did one three that was the... The Potter's Parables, 18, 19, 20. We're another series of three chapters that go together, 21, 22, 23, uh, that all kind of focus in, uh, at least in some ways, on the last four kings of Judah. So just, just by way of remembering, we have Josiah, which is the, <clears throat> the, the last revival in the history of Judah. So Josiah comes on the scene, maybe you remember, Jeremiah's father, at least I believe Jeremiah's father, discovers a scroll, the Bible, in the temple. Nobody's been using it for the last 40 years while Manasseh was reigning. He brings it, uh, delivers it to, to the council of the king. They take it to Josiah. Josiah reads it and says, wow, we're way off track. We, got, we need to repent. So he's the last example of a godly leader that they have uh, in Judah. And so he calls the people. He says, man, we got we to gotta repent. We got to tear down the idols. We got to straighten things out. But uh, one of the things we want to re- make sure we always hold on to, and it's something we need to remember all the time, and that is that no matter how godly a godly leader is, it's, he's not Messiah. It's not Jesus. Jesus is the king. Everybody else is trying on, on one level or another to measure up, but we all know, we know that we all fall short, right, of that, of that measure. Being Christ, we want to be Christ-like, but we're, we're not going to reach the stature of Christ until we see him face to face. And so Josiah, you know, he's, he receives a word not to enter into this battle. He ignores that word, right? And uh, he ends up dying in that battle. Next four kings are wretches, right? Three months, 11 years, three months, 11 years. That's how the last four kings go. The two puppet kings last for 11 years, but they never want to do what God is instructing the kings through Jeremiah. They don't want to submit to God's judgment. All the other prophets we'll look at tonight, because there's a word against the prophets tonight, and all the other prophets are trying to say, hey, everything's okay, don't sweat it, you know, God's going to bail us out. And I don't know about you guys, but I can't read that and not see our nation. I can't read that and not hear some very popular preachers or popular ideas who look and say, oh no, God's going to get us out of this. I don't know that's true or not. I know God wants our repentance. I know that God wants godly leaders who will repent. And well, as far as I know, I, at least I don't know of any 
on Capitol Hill who are like that. Whether, it doesn't matter, I don't care what, Congress, the President, I know he has godly counselors around him and, and I pray for him like the Bible tells us to, right? But Josiah was a man who would drop to his knees and say, I have sinned. I didn't do this right. God forgive me. And that, that's, that goes a long ways in bringing repentance to a nation. I, I think back to Jonah. You guys remember Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh, right? Everybody's familiar with the story, swallowed by fish, uh, little bleached out, puked up on the shore, does his thing, goes out and tells the people in Nineveh, you know, doesn't, not really, I don't, I don't think his heart's really in it. He, 40 days, God's going to wipe you out, and you guys all deserve judgment. And the king of Nineveh, a wretch, right? Not, not a good guy, but what did he do? Put on sackcloth and ashes, came out and commanded all the people to repent. And what happened? God withheld his judgment at that time. God withheld his judgment. It comes later under Nahum, the prophet Nahum. So we see that God has, even, even in those places, right? That, that's Assyria. God was sending prophets to Assyria. That ought to melt your noodle a little bit. That went out and delivered God's word to the people, calling them to repentance to forestall God's judgment. Well, and the same thing in Judah, you got Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah bringing the word, bringing the word, bringing the word. Last four kings, guys, you're messing up. Guys, what are you doing? Over that entire period of time, probably for about 40 years, Jeremiah is going to be prophesying. Some during uh, Josiah's reign and then the last four kings. He's going to be calling, hey, what, what's going on? God's judgment's coming. And when it comes, he's going to tell them, stop fighting. You don't have to die. Stop fighting against Babylon. Lay down your arms. Go be a slave and live. And parents were choosing to eat their children instead. That's, that's a whole other level of, of crazy, right? Well, at least I used to think that. And then I turn on the TV and I go, man, I don't know that we have that much different despair now. Right? Everybody knows they're mad. And that's cool. I get it. There's plenty to be mad about. For real. But the Bible says the wrath of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. The wrath of man makes more wrath. And we are, according to Ephesians chapter 2, children of wrath. That's our nature, and that's the natural bend that we'll go to if we won't submit to God's word. If we won't submit and say, God says, I got I to gotta lay this down, or I got to lay that down, or I got to turn my back on this, or I got to move in that direction, right? Otherwise, we're just going to store up wrath. That's what we do. Remember Daniel's dream of the kingdoms of men? Feet of clay. They all fail, 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 fail until the kingdom of God comes. The kingdom of God wipes out the kingdoms of men, becomes a, a kingdom that fills the whole earth. That's what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was, running around the same time as Jeremiah. So God begins Jeremiah 23.1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy, scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, 
You have scattered my flock and have driven them away and have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your deeds are evil, declares the Lord. So God's first call, he's laying out, this is kind of a generic word that he's bringing out to the shepherds, the leaders over his people. And I think ultimately what he wants to say is, look, the people don't exist to make your life better. The people don't exist for you to make a buck. The people don't exist, you exist to shepherd the people, right? When Jesus looks at Peter and he confirms him in John uh, 21, what does he tell him to do? Feed my sheep, tend the flock, feed the lambs, right? The idea is you, you are laying down your your whatever, the right to, to look after self, and you're saying, I'm going to take on taking care of God's people. Take on that attitude. And so the Lord says, man, you want to you give my people proper care. That, an example of that is what the king of Nineveh did when Jonah came through. He took care of his people. How did he do it? He commanded them to repent. And he gave the example, right? Sackcloth, ashes, let's repent. So it says in verse three, he says, I'm gonna, he's saying, I'm gonna judge the leaders. The leaders are responsible, right? The Bible tells us in the New Testament, let not many of you become teachers. Why? Because you fall under what? Stricter condemnation, right? Stricter judgment. The, the, the higher the rungs of, uh, of whatever you wanna call it, uh, responsibility over God's people that you climb, the stricter the judgment. You'll stand on the carpet before the Lord. Just like the master, right? Jesus told the parable of the talents and the minas. The master went away, came back, and he came to his stewards, and he said, what'd you do with what I gave you? Right? And each one is responsible for what they did with what he gave. So he's saying, look, I'm going I'm to judge you guys for the evil that you've done. Verse 3, he says, then I will gather the remnant of my, my flock. And I don't want you to miss this. I, want, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of, what's that? What's that next phrase? All the countries where I have driven them. Now, they are specifically being driven to Babylon right now, right? They're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. And there's going to be another exile that takes place after he's going to talk about the branch in a moment, the coming of Messiah. Jesus is rejected by his own. He's not received. He says in Luke chapter 19, look, because you didn't know the day of your visitation, your enemies are going to build up embankments around you, and they're going to tear down every stone so that not one stone is left on another, right? 70 AD, the nation is destroyed, and then where did the Jews go? Everywhere. They were scattered until 1940-something, right? They're all over the place. Here the Lord, I think, is looking beyond Babylon, and he's saying... I'm going to gather my flock. There's going to be a day when I'm going to gather my flock from everywhere. I'm going to bring them into the fold. They're coming back. I'm going to bring them back into the land. I'm going to bring them back into the fold. And they shall be fruitful and multiply. And I think probably it's beyond. I don't think it just is the, the coming back into the land. I think it's beyond that. I think it's the idea of them coming back ultimately for that kingdom in which uh, Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign, right? The king, the real king, when he comes. So the Lord's saying, look, I know you're scattered now. You're scattered here. You know, uh, 400 years later, you're going to be scattered again. You're going to find yourself everywhere. But just know that God's point, God's purpose will be to bring you back, to gather the people for the kingdom. 
So I'm going to bring you back. You'll be fruitful and you will multiply. And verse 4, and I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. So he's, he's like, I'm going to put people over you, leaders over you who are going to take care of you. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. So the Lord, I'm not going to lose anybody. I'm going to bring you all. I'm going to gather you all. You know, one of the things we were talking earlier, Jason and I were talking earlier today about what does it mean to rule and reign with Christ? Well, you know, maybe that's what Jeremiah is alluding to here. God's going to gather the people back. We're going to have that kingdom of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'll set, I will set shepherds over you that are going to care for you. They're going to take care of you like they're supposed to. They're going to take care of you in that place. So looking forward to that, that time, that place. And so <coughs> nobody is going to be missing. And then in verse 5, he's, now he's going to lift up his eyes. So he's looking and Jeremiah is talking about, hey, you leaders, not so good. God's, God's going to judge you for, for how you have led. And, but I want you to know he's going to gather all the people. Whatever damage is happening in here, God's able to restore. He's able to bring people back. And then he's going to lift up his eyes to something that the people didn't quite understand. In verse 5, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. Not said. Uh, some people say this is where they get the idea where, it's, where Matthew talks about the fact that <clears throat> Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Not said. It's the root word for Nazarene, the branch. The branch. He's the branch. I'm going to raise up for David a righteous branch. David was a good king, but how many of his sons were good kings? Not very many. Right? David was a man after God's own heart, but the Lord doesn't say that even for the next one. Solomon. How'd Solomon do? Well, he was beloved of God, right? The Lord changed his name to Jedediah. Hey, you're beloved of God, but there, God can love you and you not respond to that love, right? Solomon, you know, who knows? People will argue until we get to heaven. Uh, where Solomon's at? Did, is he in the family, out of the family? He built temples to false gods. He brought in false worship. His heart was turned away from the Lord. Hey, is Solomon going to be okay? I don't know. That's, that's God's job to figure out. But the point being, after David, there was not a lot of righteous branches in the family of David. Yeah? But God says, I'm going to make a righteous branch. I'm going, to, I'm going to raise up a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king. And he will deal wisely and execute justice and righteousness. Now, which earthly kingdom has ever done that? Now, maybe you can compare earthly kingdoms and say that one was better than that one. You with me? But I don't know that I could go over any earthly kingdom and say, oh, yeah, this one, these guys were just full of righteousness. No way, man. Because we're all broke that way. We, we understand that we desire justice and righteousness, right? And we understand that we can find that justice and righteousness through submission to God and obedience to his word. We can find all those things in there, but, you know, what kingdom was anchored on that? And if they were, they did okay for a few years, but what happens? There's another king that comes. And then there's the downward spiral of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, gold, silver, 
bronze, iron, iron mixed with clay, feet of clay. Yeah, those kingdoms don't last. They don't stand. But there is a king coming, a righteous king, a righteous branch from David. And he's going to execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in his days, Judah will be saved. So this is, that, this is the age-old story. There's a king who's coming. That we lift up our eyes up into the mountains. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. He's the righteous king. He's the righteous branch. There will be a prophet, right? These are prophecies. Scripture's rife with prophecies about the coming king who will uh, settle all of the affairs of men. Until that time, we won't get there. We should strive for it, but it's Christ who is able to accomplish it. And this is the name by which he will be called, Yahweh Tzidkenu. Yahweh Tzidkenu. The Lord is our righteousness. How are you righteous? You're righteous because the Lord is righteous and you're covered in his, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he who knew no sin became my sin sacrifice that I might become, what? The righteousness of who? God. I'm becoming his. How, when, I, when I die and I come into the presence of almighty God, I, that will be the day when Jesus Christ is going to clothe me with the robe. Picture, right, of the prodigal son coming home. Jesus meeting us before we meet the Father, covering us with his robe, the righteousness of Christ, the blood of Christ, covering me, ushering me before the Father according to Jude, right? Read the, read the last three verses of the, of the book of Jude. What Jesus says, man, it's my pleasure to present you blameless before my Father, to bring us, to usher us in. So what will he be called? He'll, he will be called Yahweh, the Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah 33, 15 says, In those days and at that time, I will, call a, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he will execute justice, righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Sound familiar? <laughs> Hey, this is something that they were looking forward to. Isaiah chapter 11, talking about the kingdom of God. Listen to how he describes it. There will come forth a shoot, right? Shoot, you guys know what shoots are? Like seekers on the, that come around the, the uh, stump of trees. There's going to be a shoot from the stump of Jesse. A branch will come forth from his roots, and shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord will be upon him, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by what his eyes see, or dis decide disputes by what his ears hear. Yeah, do we understand that we need to be able to, to in order to come to the solution to things, you can't trust what you see? We, we know that, right? Every single network is lying to you. Yeah, you get that? <clears throat> the pictures, the things people say. He's not going to judge by what he hears. He's not going to judge by what he sees. What's it say? But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with equity 
among the meek of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will kill the wicked. How does the Bible describe the return of Christ? Doesn't it say that when he returns that he's going to destroy the enemies, the armies of the Lord in the valley of Armageddon with what? The rod of his mouth? A sword will come from his mouth? The word of God? What did God have to say to create the heavens and the earth? Let there be. What's he got to say to destroy it? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not going to cause a lot of sweat. I think he can just speak the word, right? He's going to destroy him with the rod of his mouth. It says righteousness will be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Listen, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Oh, the Bible doesn't say anywhere the lion lays down with the lamb. There's a lot of cool pictures about that, but the Bible says it's a wolf that does that. The lion eats straw. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child will lead them. What's that talking about? It's talking about the earth, the curse lifted from the earth, right? A righteous king who can, who can judge righteously, who, who, who like Solomon looking at the two women who are fighting over the child and knows because God had granted him wisdom what's right. We don't have that today. But Jesus does have that. And there will be a day, that curse lifted. These things occurring. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. <clears throat> the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. The weaned child will put his hand in the adder's den, a rattlesnake den. But he doesn't have to worry about getting bit. Because the last enemy that Jesus Christ defeats is death. Righteousness will reign. The curse will be gone because Jesus Christ the King rules. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. One of the ways, one of the, one of the terms that the Bible uses to describe a kingdom is by calling it a mountain. If you remember the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, a rock not cut out with hands from the heavens, strikes the statue at the feet, it blows into powder, and then what happens to that rock? It grows into what? A mountain that does what? Fills the whole earth. They shall not kill. They shall not destroy in all my holy mountain. How much is going to be his holy mountain? All of it. The Bible says they're going to take their weapons and turn them into what? Plowshares, and they will study what? War how much? No more. There will be a day. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, the root of Jesse, the root, the cause, the origin, who, who brought Jesse forth? God did. But the root of Jesse, his origin, uh, who shall stand as a signal for the people of him, shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. Hey, the kingdom of God ruled by the, the, the real king, the true king, the only one who can bring righteousness and justice and holiness to the earth, the only one who can accomplish that, Jesus Christ. We all, all believers, looking forward to the rule and the reign of the branch, the righteous branch who will come from the roots of Jesse, 
who will spring forth from the roots, Jesus Christ, of the lineage of David, right? On both sides, mother and father. And, and from his heavenly father, he's the origin. He's the root. He's the cause and the branch. And he is perfect righteousness. Zechariah 3.8 says, Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant, the branch. All these referencing to the king of kings. Zechariah 6.12 and I will say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord, who shall bear royal honor, and shall sit and rule on his throne. And there will be a priest on his throne, and counsel of peace shall be between them both. Before you get wrapped around the axle, Christ has built the temple. Yeah, no, I don't think there's, I'm not sure there's another temple coming. We'll see. But here's what Paul said to the church. Don't you know that you corporately are the temple of God? Who built you? Peter, what did he say? He said it's the work of Christ taking living stones and building them together to create what? The temple of God. Corporately. The church, the temple of God, the bride of Christ is the temple of God. And Paul also said individually, don't you know, individually your body is the temple of God, right? How, how do you have the right to be the temple of God, to be called children of God, to be considered heirs and joint heirs? How is that accomplished? Through whom? Jesus Christ, right? The righteous branch, the coming King, and he will reign as a king and deal wisely and execute justice and righteousness in the land. Real change is coming. We play at it. We play at it, but we can't get there. Right? Don't you hear? I, I, when I look at the, the, the people who are protesting, and the, I, I mean, they're not wrong. It's, it's not wrong to say that black lives matter. They do matter. It's not okay for you to go out and kill a man just because you can. And it, regardless as to their color or creed or whatever, it's not okay. not okay to put your knee on a dude's neck for 10 minutes until he stops breathing. It's not okay. It's not okay in any world. That's not just. That's not righteous. Neither is it just or righteous to go out to somebody's shop, bust out the windows, and take all their stuff because you're mad. Right? There's no shortage of injustice and unrighteousness in our world. And the voice of the prophets ought to be calling the people to repent. We are wrong, our attitudes are not okay. It's not okay. Yeah, I get it. I, I get mad just like anybody else, right? But I also know that the word of God tells me the wrath of man is not going to accomplish the righteousness of God. So if I get mad, I'm, I will become part of the problem, not part of the solution. Well, Jesus gave us pretty clear teachings on what to do, but we don't want to do those things, right? I... I 
I don't know what's true or what's not true because I don't believe anything on Facebook and I don't believe anything on Twitter and I don't believe anything on YouTube because everybody's a liar and nobody wants to tell the truth. And But, man, I hope it's true. I hope it's true that that, that story they talk about where the protesters came up and the cops knelt down and said, hey, forgive us, and the people were crying and being united because a group of men made a choice to humble themselves. God said something would happen if you did that. He said if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he would do what? I'll lift you up. But people don't want to do it God's way, right? Everybody wants a gun. Me too. I want a gun. I like guns. Hey, it's in the nature of man. That's what's clamoring inside of us. That's where we want to run to when things go wrong. But we don't make it better. Real change is coming, but that real change is in an utter surrender to Christ. Utter surrender to him. Verse 7, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but rather as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he has driven them. He's saying, right now you know me still today when they talk in Israel. It's, it's the God who brought them out of Egypt. But he says, one day I'm going to be known as the one who gathered you from the four corners of the earth and brought you together. There's a day coming. And we're not going to get there our way. We only get there his way. What he wants, real change, real change happens when the nature of man is changed and we bear the nature that God has for us, that new creation created in Christ Jesus, right, for good works, for we are his workmanship created. We are his poema we are his masterpiece, his master painting. He's working in our life. So now in, in verse 9, he's going to lift his eyes. He's going to turn away from the promise of Messiah, the coming of the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's going to put his eyes square on the prophets. These are the guys whose job it is to tell the people what God's word says. Right? Now in their day, God would deliver the word to the prophet. The prophet would deliver the, to the people. Today, uh, the work of prophecy is used anytime somebody rightly divides a word of truth, takes what God's word says and delivers it to the people. So he says to the prophets, concerning my prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord, because of his holy words. This is Jeremiah. He's like, man, my heart's broke because he is the one voice that is telling the truth. And everybody hates him for it. Nobody wants to hear it. Everybody wants to go away. He's like, man, I, I am shaken. I am out of strength. I am broke down because of the holy words of the Lord. For the land is full of adulterers because of the curse. The land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil. Their might is not right. Both prophet and priest 
are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil, declares the Lord. The prophets and the priests are wrecked. Ezekiel gave a similar prophecy. The false shepherds, the ones who didn't care for the flock, the ones who were not speaking faithfully about what the Word of God said. They were telling people what their heart said, not what God said. So what are the the consequences of this unholy, profane attitude within within the prophets, within the priests? Therefore, their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness into which they shall be driven and fall. And I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. Disaster is coming. Punishment is coming. It is not a little thing to say, thus saith the Lord. It's a big deal. And it's especially a big deal to say, thus saith the Lord, and lie. So he declares... He declares, in the prophets of Samaria, I saw an unsavory thing. So he's going to say, you guys remember the kingdom to the north? Judah is the last part of a divided kingdom. North was Israel, south is Judah. The north were conquered by the Assyrians. And what was left behind are the people in Samaria that are going to become the Samaritans in the time of Christ. Mixed group, Jews, Gentiles, people intermarry, they... They aren't really uh, adored by the Jews, so they write their own Bible. They write their own doctrine. Still today, if you go there, they have a temple standing where they still do sacrifices in Israel, in Samaria. So he says, you remember those guys that were to the north before God's judgment came upon them? You remember those guys? I saw an unsavory thing. He said, they prophesied by Baal, and they led my people astray. Talking about Israel now. There were people before you. They, they, you guys remind me of them. They were your neighbors to the north. They're not there no more. They brought lying prophecies, and they led my people astray. And now he's going to bring it back to Jerusalem. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. So he said of Samaria, right, idolatry, he said, I've seen an unsavory thing. You get the difference? He says, in Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. He's telling them your sin is worse than theirs was. Yeah, I know we like to say there's no such thing as a division of sin, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there is It also says there is a division of reward. Everybody don't get the same thing. Heaven's not socialist. Everybody doesn't get the trophy when you get to heaven. Everybody doesn't get a participation deal. No, man. You stand before Christ, right? And your works are judged at the Bema seat of Christ, and you will receive a just reward. And everybody don't get the same thing. And nor is hell the same for everybody. So if there's levels of reward, what makes you think there's not levels of judgment? If God says to the northern kingdom that I judged, they were unsavory, and you are, what's the word he used? You are 
Horrible. Well, that's not the same thing. Unsavory, that's like I got a burrito, was not so good. That's unsavory. Horrible, that's a whole, that's a whole nother meal, right? So, <clears throat> look, I've seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery. They walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of the evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. The, the problem that God has with the prophets in Jerusalem is that you're coddling the evildoer. You're coddling him so he doesn't change. You don't say, that's not okay. You need to repent. Your heart is wicked. Doesn't the Bible say all these things? These are not special words. I don't, I don't need a special uh, augmentation of the Holy Spirit to say God calls his people to repent, do I? Jesus commands all men everywhere to repent and believe. Right? The Bible's full of, of scripture that talks about confessing our sins one to another and being healed, doesn't it? Of having this attitude, Bob, the Bible saying, man, we gotta, we gotta call that. But it says, not, they're not doing that. It's not just coddling. What are they doing? Strengthening their hands. Let me throw my full support behind your wickedness because it aligns with the things I want. Because it gives, gives me something. This is why you guys don't ever want me to start talking about politics. <laughs> I, I will restrain myself. But you don't want it. Don't ask me. You're not going to like what I tell you. They strengthen the hands of the wicked so that they don't turn from their evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me. He's talking about Judah. He's saying, you're like Sodom. You guys remember what happened to Sodom, right? You're like Sodom to me, and its inhabitants are like Gomorrah. What were they guilty of? Committing adultery. That's idolatry, right? When the, when the Lord talks about adultery, he's not necessarily talking about their sexual immorality. He's talking about you're unfaithful to me. God's saying, you're unfaithful to me. You're an adulterer. You're not faithful to me. You walk in lies. You strengthen evildoers. You are become like Sodom to me. That's no little thing, is it? That's a big deal. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, behold, I will feed them with mara, bitter food, and I will give them poison to drink. Mara, bitter water, Bitter food, for from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone into all the land. See, the prophets were supposed to be the arbiters of uh, the truth. They're supposed to be the ones telling the truth. Or they, they just want to tell the people what they want to hear. What, what is it that Paul told Timothy? In the last days, perilous times will come. Men will become lovers of themselves, not lovers of God. They will heap up for themselves false teachers who will do what? Scratch their itching ears? Just tell me the things I want to hear. People all the time, they say, oh, the Bible's so hard to understand. It is not hard to understand. You know what it says. You just don't want to do it. It's not hard. Is it hard to understand? 
Love your enemy. Is that hard to understand? Love your neighbor. Is that hard? We don't know what that means? Oh, no. It's, it's not the stuff that's easy to understand. The, the, the scariest stuff is the stuff I understand really well. Right? Love your neighbor. Do good to one another. Do good and not evil. How about this one? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Whose is it? Last I checked, we're not so good at justice and righteousness, are we? Yeah, I don't think you know what's just and right. I think you know what makes you mad. I know that too. Yeah, for real. I get it. But I know enough to know I don't understand just and righteous. But I know someone who does. Is God able to repay? Will God be merciful for a long time? Will God be merciful longer than you? Yeah, that's crazy. Was he merciful with you? Seems like the Bible says something about if you've received grace and mercy, give. No? Aren't we supposed to give grace? Mercy? Anyways, the Lord says, look, you guys are spreading ungodliness throughout the land. So thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hope. Don't listen to the prophets that speak lies. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, don't worry, it'll be okay. Don't worry, it'll be okay. Man, that young lady who's walking into Planned Parenthood about to become the mother of a dead child, why would you not tell her the truth? She shouldn't hear it. Nobody, because that'll make her feel uncomfortable. She might get mad at God. I'd say she's mad at God already. Are we supposed to tell the truth or not tell the truth? The people who are, are having their, you know, Pride Day parade, they don't deserve to hear the truth? You going to tell them a lie? Tell them a lie so they won't repent? Tell them it's all okay, everything's okay, don't worry about it, it doesn't matter? Hey, man, if, if I could make the rules, I'll make whatever rules will make you happy, but I'm not making the rules. I'm just telling you, sometimes God says, you got to lay down the stuff you think you need so bad. And you got to take him up. Or there's no life. There's no answer. So he says, don't listen to those guys. Don't listen to the message. It will be well with you to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart. Don't worry. No disaster will happen. God won't judge you. You sure? I get that maybe God doesn't want me to judge. He may want me to use discernment. Maybe the Lord said, Jackie, your judgment's not so good. But can I use God's judgment? If God says something wrong, is it wrong or not wrong? If God says it's you know, where are we at? What are we doing in this world where we don't want to tell people, hey, that's not okay? 
I might make them mad. Maybe, or you might make them repent. No? For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Who has paid attention to his word and listened? Don't be guilty of the sin of presumption. I think I know what God wants. I know the mind of the Lord. I'll tell you right now, I don't know the mind of the Lord. But I know the clear things that God says. I know the things that won't ever stop being wrong. And I, I want to be a faithful person who will say, man, it's not okay to kill your baby just because it's still in your womb. I want to be the guy who says, man, I know, I understand that you have desires for things that God says not good. Yeah, and I, I don't, you know, I, that's, I'm sorry. But the desire is still sin. It'll kill you. It'll separate you from God forever. Just like my sin, if I regard sin, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God says, I don't hear you. Well, the prophets speak the truth. Behold, the storm of the Lord, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest, tornado. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. Trust me. You know what the Bible says everyone will declare to God on judgment day? Righteous and true are your judgment, O God. Everybody. Now, standing on the street, you can shout whatever you want. Mob rules. Do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. But the day you stand before your king, your maker, you will declare your right, Lord. Righteous and true are your judgments. He says, but if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to the people, and they would have turned from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. If only they would have told them what my word says. But they don't want to hurt their feelings. God says, if you tell them my word, they'll turn. But we're afraid. If I say that, they won't talk to me no more. What if you never say it? What if they never repent? You will have had peace here and eternal judgment there. How's that better? Lord says, if only they had shared peace, peace, they said, when there was no peace. Proverbs 14, 12, Proverbs 16, 25, both say the same thing. There is a way that seems right to a man, but that road leads to death. We all think we know, right? Oh, I know how to do it. We should do it like this. If we do it like this, everything will be okay. Uh, or not. 
Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so I can't see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart? who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams, and they tell one another, even like their fathers forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, thus saith the Lord, declare the Lord. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies, by their recklessness, when I did not send them or charge them. So they will not profit this people at all. When one of this people or a prophet or a priest asks you, what is the burden of the Lord? Then you shall say to them, you are the burden and I will cast you off. God said, I'm done. And as for the prophet, the priest, or one of the people who says, the burden of the Lord, I will punish that man in his household. Thus shall you say, everyone to his neighbor, everyone to his brother, what has the Lord answered? Or what has the Lord spoken? But the burden of the Lord you shall mention no more, for the burden is every man's own word. Because you pervert the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus you will say to the prophet, what has the Lord answered you? What has the Lord spoken? But if you say the burden of the Lord, thus says the Lord, because you have said these words, the burden of the Lord, when I sent to you saying you will not say the burden of the Lord, therefore behold, I will lift you up and cast you away from my presence. You and the city that I gave you and your fathers, and I will bring upon you everlasting reproach and perpetual shame that will not be forgotten. God saying, man, he is not fond of thus saith the Lord when the Lord hath not spoken. I try to be careful to say, Thus saith the Lord when I'm reading his words. Right? To say, man, here's what God's word is saying. Here's where God is directing. Here's what God's leading according to his word. Because God says, if you do this wrong, that, that makes God mad. I don't want to be that person. But nor do I want to be the person who won't say what God's word does say. 
One of the beautiful things about Jeremiah, guys, Jeremiah was faithful. The people didn't want to hear the message. The message was stop holding on and clamoring for the, the glory of your nation. Your nation is done. Clamor, glory for the, for the Lord, not for that stuff. Jeremiah said, let that stuff down. Put your flag away. Come out. Lead your family out of your house. Walk them across the line. Deliver yourself into Nebuchadnezzar's hand and live. But the people chose death. There's a way that seems right to a man. But it ain't God's way. We need to hold fast to God's word. Be obedient to God's word. If we're not sure what God's word says, we should sit around a table and argue about it till we got it figured out. But don't let that stop you. Trust me, there's a lot of really plain things God says. We just pick up there. And do those things that God's calling us to do. Be faithful. Be faithful and obedient to him. Look, I don't know. We're stepping into the days of judgment. I know this. I know that prophetically, at least in my view of eschatology, the United States isn't mentioned. I don't care what kind of dances you try to do. Which would at least mean something's got to happen because we seem to be a big player. Well, you might be watching something going to happen on the news right now. And I don't know how to solve it or make it go away. I just know God wants us to speak the truth in love to call men to repent. We are a guilty people. And we need to repent. And it's not all them out there. The Bible is very clear. Judgment begins where? He says, let judgment begin in the house of the Lord. That's us. We start it. They ain't going to start it. Them people busting windows ain't going to start it. We got to start it. We got to take it. Not be afraid. Be a Jeremiah. Speak the truth. Call the people. They hate you. You're in good company. Seems like they hated Jesus too. Didn't they? We should probably follow that example. Amen? Why don't you stand with me let's pray. Father God, we just come to you this evening, Lord. We pray, God, that you use your word to convict us, Lord. And it's not, the, the, the point is not to feel bad or feel guilty, but to be convicted to action, to say I'm going to be a man or a woman who will faithfully speak the truth that your word declares and not the goal not to be to to use it in a hurtful way against someone to use the derision within my life to pour out my judgment upon them but just simply to speak what the word says this is what God said he is life he is the light, which is the life of men. He said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. I know how to get there, but there's a way that seems right to a man.
God, I pray that you would drive us to faithfully consider what you're asking of us. And then, Lord, that you would help us to be faithful men and women, not adulterers who are unfaithful toward you, but who are true and faithful toward you. And when we fall, the Bible says a righteous man will fall seven times in a day, and we will repent and we'll rise again and continue. Because that's the life. Until we see the king, the one who rules in justice and righteousness. We'll do our best to emulate him until that day. But my eyes are lifted up to the prize, the upward call of those who are in Christ Jesus to see my king who will bring justice, mercy, righteousness, lift the curse, and bring peace. So, Lord, with those who have gone before us, may we cry out, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.